So, dear friends, it is Sunday, the 24th of October, 2021. My primary identifier is Robert Beattie. He, him, cisgendered male, great, 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 and so on for 128 or 150, grandson of the Buddha. Hello to Jim. I saw you come aboard. I don't see you now. Oh, that, no, where are you? Can't see you. Hmm. I'm over here. Over here. Oh, there you are. Okay, I'm going to move you. I'm going to move you up where I can keep an eye on you, see if you're causing trouble. There we go. So... I'd like to begin today by calling to the altar of our hearts, Ruth Dennison, whose inspiration still lights up my life. We're here to do something really simple. The core teachings of the Buddha are just not complicated at all. And I want to start with a Rumi poem this morning. It's a little long, so I'll just read it once. Which means you have to pay attention. <laughs> Can't count on it being repeated. It's called The City of Saba. Once, in the city of Saba, there was a glut of wealth. Everyone had more than enough. Even the bath stokers wore gold belts. Huge grape clusters hung down on every street and brushed the faces of the citizens. No one had to do anything. You could balance an empty basket on your head and walk through any orchard and it would fill by itself with overripe fruit dropping into it. Stray dogs strayed in lanes full of thrown out scraps with barely a notice. The lean desert wolf got indigestion from the rich food. Everyone was fat and satiated with all the extra. There were no robbers. There was no energy for crime or for gratitude. And no one wondered about the unseen world. The people of Saba felt bored with just the mention of prophecy. They had no desires of any kind. Maybe some idle curiosity about miracles, but that was it. 
This over-richness is a subtle disease. Those who have it are blind to what's wrong and deaf to anyone who points it out. The city of Saba can never be understood from within itself. But there is a cure. An individual medicine, not a social remedy. Sit quietly and listen for a voice within that will say, be more silent. As that happens, your soul starts to revive. Give up talking and your positions of power. Give up the excess of money. Turn toward the teachers and prophets who don't live in Saba. They can help you to grow sweet again and fragrant and wild and fresh and thankful for any small event. There is a cure, an individual medicine, not a social remedy. Sit quietly and listen for a voice from within that will say, be more silent. As that happens, your soul starts to revive. Give up talking in your positions of power. Give up the excess of money. Turn toward the teachers and prophets who don't live in Saba. They can help you to grow sweet again and fragrant and wild and fresh and thankful for any small event. Thankful for any small event. This is an ancient tradition. 2,600 years, which of course in planetary time is negligible. But something happened 2,600 years ago when Siddhartha Gautama, an ordinary human being, An ordinary human being, just like us, had an experience in which he was, he woke up. And then he spent the rest of his life teaching how he did that. So that other people, us, could have the same experience. So in honoring that tradition, I like to sing this little song, the refuge in the Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha. I invite you to join in if you want. Stay muted, though it makes, makes it impossible if you come unmuted. And it's not just a little song. It's not just a chant. It's a reminder. It's a, and I should turn this on. There we go. It's a, a pointer. There are so many options of what we can do in, in this life. I just 
intermittently participated in a five-day Buddhist conference, and oh my, there are so many directions a person could go. I take refuge in the Buddha, not in a religious sense. I take refuge in the Buddha in as that which is awake, that which is conscious. I take refuge in the Dharma in that that's what the way things are, so that I can practice and realize the way things actually are. And I take refuge in the Sangha for support, for inspiration. And the Sangha of this group, the Sangha of this lineage through Uba Kin and Ruth Dennison, and the Sangha of all life. We belong here. You belong here. You're part of life. You are the earth breathing. I take refuge in the Buddha. The one who shows me the way in this life. Namo Buddhaya. Namo Buddhaya. Namo Buddhaya. I take refuge in the Dharma, the way of understanding and love. Namo Dharmaya, Namo Dharmaya, Namo Dharmaya. I take refuge in the Sangha, the community of mindful harmony. Namo Sanghaya, Namo Sanghaya, Namo Sanghaya. I want to guide us for the first little period here in a very different strategy of practice. In 1979, I was able to go to Burma for one week. I was with the Lewis and Clark Overseas Program for five months and it was a free travel week. My wife at the time, Kathleen, 
had a teacher from San Francisco who was a devotee of Tangpulu Saida, who was kind of like the Dalai Lama of Burmese Buddhism at the time. He was a man who at age 12 went into a cave and spent 28 years there. And then he came out and became Tangpulu, which was the location, and Sayada means, which means respected elder, teacher, great teacher. I met him when he was 82. He spent every day from 7.30 in the morning till 8 o'clock at night with a brief an hour off at lunch. He spent every day, seven days a week, meeting with the people of Rangoon. They stood in line, they came in, he counseled them, they cried with him. They, uh, I had the opportunity, I had a translator who translated what people were saying. And it was things like, my husband is working with the phone company and he's away in Mandalay and I miss him so much and he's got another three years. And, and he would speak the Dharma to them. And he had the, he made the time for this young Westerner to teach me this practice. For the first day, he said, practice seeing. So I invite us now, just for a little while, not a day, but having your eyes open, know that you're seeing. You might even say the word in the mind, seeing. And then the mind wanders, come back to seeing. And it's okay to look around, seeing, and know that you're seeing. 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 So that's the practice for the rest of the day until bed, seeing. No mindfulness of breathing, just seeing. On day two, I had my morning interview and he asked me, did you fall asleep on an in-breath or an out-breath? And did you wake up on an in-breath or an out-breath? And how many bites of lunch did you have yesterday? And then he said, today, Your meditation object is hearing. Be aware of hearing. Notice it's a different channel. Hearing. There might not be much noise around you. This voice will, of course, come in. If there's nothing else, there's that high-pitched ringing 
that's in everyone's ears. Achan Semedo calls it the, the sound of silence. It's an artifact of hearing. 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 Mindfulness remembers the intention of which object to take. Hearing. Hearing. Notice, of course, the mind will go off into fantasies. Samsara. Delusion. Hearing. So for the rest of the day, we could be aware of hearing. Or, what posture is the body in? For most of us, it looks like it's sitting. Be aware of the shape of your body. Sitting. Sitting. And it's not, I am sitting. It's not a story about sitting. It's just knowing this is sitting. Morning number four. Tangpuru Sayada said to me, through the interpreter, which was very problematic, touching. Feel where your buttocks make contact with the chair. Touching. Feel where your left foot touches the floor. Touching. Feel where your right foot touches the floor. If your hands are touching each other, touching. Feel your lips touching each other. Feel the touch of clothing against the skin. And one can pick five or seven points or three. 
or one. And then there's rotation, touch, 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 touch. And you create a pattern and then you go between those objects. Touch, touch, touch. And you could do touch and then stay for a minute. Touch, stay there for a minute. All day, touching. And then on day five, Tangpulu Sayada said, Your practice today is seeing. Hearing, sitting, touching. Seeing. And if your eyes are closed, then seeing is just the darkness of non-sight. So there could be an inner image and that would be seeing of a sort, but seeing and then hearing, sitting, touching. Seeing, hearing, sitting, touching. It's work, isn't it? Seeing. Hearing, sitting, touching, this is a practice that be done, can be done while driving. Of course, you never close the seeing door, but you remember to be mindful. A great deal of what passes for mindfulness in our time has nothing to do with mindfulness. Mindfulness is this mysterious capacity of awareness, of knowing. It's that which knows. It is that in which all experience occurs. It's not a theory. It's not a doctrine even. It's this experience of knowing. 
seeing. Hearing. Sitting. Touching. And if you'd like, you could continue in this practice in this way. And as you go through life, you might decide, well, I'm going to listen to music now. I'm going to be aware of hearing. Or we could take up our familiar mindfulness of in-breathing and out-breathing. It's quite tranquilizing. Though it's the same practice, it's just a different object. The practice is notice the in-breath and out-breath. We're not adding anything to the awareness of the breath. We're not adding any concepts to it. It's just sensations. Each breath has a beginning. It has a middle, it has an ending.
The conditioned tendency to fall into trance is very potent, isn't it? And this capacity of awakeness, of awakening, comes from a much deeper place than the trances. Thinking about it does nothing. It's another trance. Instead, let us be here with the breath, with bare attention.
each moment offers an invitation to be here, to be awake. If the centrifugal energies of mind, the five hindrances, for instance, the wanting, wanting, craving, desiring, or disliking, pushing against, or restlessness, agitation, and worry, or sloth and torpor, sleepy dullness, or doubt, doubt, despair, dispiritedness, depression, anxiety. If these are in blossom, we can help with some concentration by adding in rising, rising, falling, falling. Pointing at the simplicity of breathing in and breathing out as life sensations.
How real dare we let the breath be? How fully dare we incarnate? To awaken to and become mindful of this breath means to awaken to the whole experience of being human. Each breath has its beginning, its dance, its vanishing. And this is why we cultivate metta at the same time, love. I aspire to love and accept this moment. This that I take to be myself right now. And when I discover myself to be hurting, and there's plenty of dukkha to go around. I intend to hold myself in sweet compassion. This, of course, then potentiates holding the people I live with in sweet compassion. Friends in sweet compassion. Everyone I encounter in sweet compassion. Because as the mind clears, we will see the suffering all around us. And please now let's notice seeing. There may be no seeing. The eyes may be closed. Seeing. Hearing. Sitting. Sitting. Touching. Touch, 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 touch. Brilliantly aware of the entirety of the body.
And allowing awareness to open in the hands, particularly in the fingers. And then in the lips and the cheeks and the eyes. The eyes as sensations. And now noticing the intention, the prompted intention to open the eyes and notice the effort that's required following the intention and be really attentive to the fact of seeing as it is born. The fact of seeing, not the objects of seeing. The objects are pretty fine. But the knowing of the fact of seeing. Seeing. And hearing. Hearing. 